Welcome to the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast, the show that brings you lively conversations with leaders, colleagues, and friends in healthcare, pharmacy, and beyond. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast. I'm Melissa Muir Corrigan, and I'll be your host. This is episode 22 of the Melissa Rx Scripts podcast, and thanks for listening. Well, 2020 is a year like no other in modern times, a pandemic, stay-home orders, significant racial turmoil and social injustice, natural disasters. So please join me in gratitude for the frontline healthcare workers, pharmacists, student pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, and other people showing up, making a difference, and working tirelessly every day to change the world. And I must say how pleased I am that there is a glimmer of hope and light as the vaccines rolled out this past weekend and administration began this week. So thank you so much. Well, now on today's podcast, I'll be talking with Dr. Lakeisha Butler. Lakeisha and I are gonna be discussing many things, including her leadership experiences and expertise bringing groups together to collaborate around a common goal. She has a fine-tuned vision related to that. I'll give you a bit of an introduction to Lakeisha and then let her also tell you about herself, her career, and her many varied experiences in life in general. Lakeisha Butler is immediate past president of the National Pharmaceutical Association and clinical professor of pharmacy practice at Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville. She's an accomplished leader, national speaker, author, and strong advocate for developing leaders, something that we talk a lot about on this podcast. She also focuses on increasing cultural competency among healthcare professionals, serving the underserved, and improving diversity and inclusion. This focus is so important, especially this year. So Lakeisha, thanks for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. As we get started, could you tell me a little bit more about your background, where you grew up, about your family, and maybe a brief overview of your career experiences? Absolutely. Thank you, Melissa. Well, I actually grew up in South Georgia in a town called Brunswick, Georgia, and it received a lot of press and and media attention due to it being the home of Ahmaud Arbery. After I graduated high school, I went on to pursue pharmacy. Initially, thought I wanted to go into the medical school. Um, I was pre-med, but then I started shadowing and really exploring different um, career opportunities in the healthcare field and uh, found pharmacy as a, a nice niche for myself. And so I went to Mercer University. And during my time at Mercer University, I was able to really find my passion, which was serving underserved populations and also found a specific area that I was interested in, which was academia, due to a mentor that I had that did exactly what I'm doing today. And that's educating students and educating patients, really the best of both worlds for me. So because of my interest in academia, I did pursue a residency, PGY1, at the University of Illinois in Chicago. Wanted to venture out. I had been in Georgia all of my life. And so going to a new city that I'd never been to was quite intriguing, and um, I had the opportunity to be accepted to my, um, my first choice, which was UIC in Chicago, and it was a great experience. 
So after residency, I went forth with um, pursuing a, an, an academic career, and um, I started on with Southern Illinois University Edwardsville. My husband, who's also a pharmacist, got a job in St. Louis, and so I wanted to be um, at a school of pharmacy, and um, SAUE was a good fit for me. So that is where I am today. I've been there for the last 14 years, and I've been fortunate to move up in the ranks from assistant professor to um, full professor, and I'm also now the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And so in addition to my professional life, I, I mentioned my husband is a pharmacist, and I also have two children, uh, Isaac and Kennedy. Isaac is 11 and Kennedy is 10. They are very active in a number of um, extracurricular activities. So uh, that keeps me busy as well. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing. You know, on an earlier podcast, I talked with Becky Sneed over the summer, and it was when some of these big events were happening that you described in your introduction. And she mentioned getting to know you and working with you. And so, you know, right then I'm like, okay, I need to have you on. And I think you and I connected over LinkedIn and email. And then I'm also close friends with Lucinda Main, and she has told me about your work over the last several months. So it is a real treat for me to be speaking with you today. And I know our listeners are gonna gain so much from your story. I have fond memories of graduates of Mercer. Um, I have several friends who years ago were leaders with APHA ASP. Michelle Loire was president and then Bob had been member at large. So, and I know you've, Dr. Hopkins, you know, there was so, there's such a legacy of leadership at Mercer in pharmacy. So that is a real treat. And then I have quite a number of friends at UIC, Andy Donnelly, you know, Jan Engel in the Chicago area. So. This is just fun. I think we're going to have lots of connections as we get started and move forward today. And, and we see that when, when you mentioned that your husband's a pharmacist, I'm like, we know lots of pharmacy couples, right? For sure. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And and just as you mentioned, pharmacy, we hear this all the time. Pharmacy is such a small world, but it really is. It is. It <laughs> is. And if, if you don't know someone, you know someone who knows that person. So you can make these yeah. connections. Well, you know, as I started talking, we know that 2020 is an unusual year. It's a year of change and transition. And so in this year, what are some things that motivate you every day? And who are some of your inspirations during this kind of trying period? Yes, I definitely say that during this time, we've learned that we are more adaptable and resilient than we probably thought we were. But definitely my faith keeps me grounded and motivated to serve others. Um, I feel that my, my life is not about me. I balance self-care, which is very important, with serving and empowering others to be better. So that truly motivates me. Certainly my family my mother motivates me. I'm an only child, and she's been a tremendous role model for me as long as I can remember. Um, so definitely those particular things keep me grounded, keep me motivated. But most importantly, it's the serving and empowering others that really inspire me to continue each day. I love that. You know, in my work with the University of Iowa College of Pharmacy, in talking with students this past year, we spent time talking about gratitude and giving back and service. And for me, faith also is, is very important. And I think sometimes people get overwhelmed or they can say, well, what could I do? You know, how could I help or how could I serve others? But it can be as small as shopping for groceries for someone, you know, sending someone a text when you're going through the Starbucks drive through paying for the person behind you. So I appreciate what you've shared and the linkages within your family and, and the role models that you have. I also want to acknowledge your very important role that you mentioned in your introduction related to 
diversity and inclusion and serving others from both a patient population and then also within your leadership role with Southern, with the College of Pharmacy. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. One of the segments that I have on the Melissa Rx Scripps podcast that really seems to resonate with our listeners is history. So during these turbulent times, we've had a lot of reflections and looking back and, you know, they've talked about the Spanish flu pandemic and all of that. And I think looking back to the past and history, it provides us insights for hope in the present and the future. So is there a historical figure in pharmacy that's made a difference in your life, someone that you think about or reflect on? Yes, absolutely. Um, So I I totally agree with you that we don't know where we're going if we don't know where we've been. So history is very important. But a historical figure in pharmacy would have to be Mary Munson-Ronge. She was the the first female, the first African-American, the first community pharmacist. So all of these different firsts to be elected uh, president of the American Pharmacist Association. So she was first in many things, and I too have been first in some things, but she showcased Gandhi's quote of be the change you want to see. And I truly believe that we can't just sit on the sideline and complain, but actually get in and do the work. And even if if you have to do it afraid or as the first, do it anyway, and ultimately bring others along this journey as well. It is especially important to me to make room at the table for marginalized identity. So definitely I would have to say Dr. Runge would be my my historical figure. You just touched on so many important things about don't be afraid and making room at the table. And that's really a goal of mine with this podcast, you know, for us to have guests on and share stories so that people out there, especially first generation, I'm a first generation college graduate, you know, can hear this and think, hey, if she did that, what could I do? Or that they just feel welcome. And, you know, I have a story to share about Mary Munson-Runge, and I agree with you. I think she is definitely a historical figure. I was the executive resident for the American Pharmaceutical Association, American Pharmacists Association. And I remember, you know, one of the things that we do is we have tours of the building and we go in the boardroom and now it's in the library, but all the pictures of the presidents are up there. And so you look at all these presidents, all white men, and then you see Mary's picture. And to me, standing there thinking, she's there. She's a beacon for us. There's more of us that can be there. And so since then, as you described, we have had, you know, many more female presidents of the American Pharmacists Association. And I've had several of them on. I had Nancy Alvarez and I've had Janelle, who was lucky number seven. But I think Mary had to be the first. And what you talk about is this courage of taking risks and sitting at the table. And she was the first, you know, employee community pharmacist. Like, a lot of things that were different. And so, yes, I agree that I think we can learn from her. And also, especially during these times with the pandemic, because there's so much that's different or that we haven't done before. And I think looking to the life of Mary and the courage can help all of us. Yes, absolutely. So in your introduction, you know, I talked about that you served as the 2018 to 2020 president for the National Pharmaceutical Association, NPHA. So tell me a little bit more about NPHA and your leadership journey, and you've highlighted your passion for service, but I'd love to hear more about all of that. Absolutely. So this is near and dear to my heart. As a pharmacy student, I got involved with the Student National Pharmaceutical Association, and during this involvement, I was able to get out and uh, do a number of community outreach initiatives, and once again, that was my time to really explore 
my passion for serving underserved individuals and, and really realize that, um, you know, those underserved populations really just have a, an appreciation and it, it really impacted me to be able to make such a difference in, in their lives through education and taking the time to just listen. And, and so during that service, um, it, it really meant a lot to me. But fast forward, I wanted to stay involved in the organization and, and so became a member of the National Pharmaceutical Association as a pharmacist, but still kept my touch point with SNAPA as the faculty advisor of my institution's chapter, and I still serve in that capacity. But during this time as a pharmacist, I really wanted to continue to elevate my, my impact. And I, I saw an opportunity within the National Pharmaceutical Association to, to get involved. And I, I seized the moment and uh, put my name in the, the hat and, and was successful in being elected. And so during that whole process of election and thinking through what I have as a vision for the organization, I came up with the presidential theme of action and excellence. And action actually stands for the A is advocacy, the C is collaboration, the T is transformational branding, the I is inclusion, the O is organizational excellence, and the N stands for next generation preparation. And so all of that encompasses what my team and I were able to accomplish during my, my presidency. What I saw is the ability to really increase the visibility for the organization, increase the impact through a variety of, of touch points in the community. But also I've, I've just really seen that team Together, everyone achieves more. The ability to really bring people together allows us to have such a greater reach and greater impact. And so during my presidency, there were many opportunities that presented themselves that I'm very fortunate of to be able to collaborate with a number of other national pharmacy organizations, but also collaborate with organizations outside of the, the pharmacy field. I think once again, we can accomplish so much more when we are doing things together. So, you know, NPHA is an organization that is focused on underserved and minority communities. We also um, have a mission of addressing racial and health inequities which is a very important and critical topic, uh, certainly this time. And it is not new, but I think we've just had greater revelation of the issues due to COVID-19. So all of that in a nutshell is um, really, it shares with you what I had envisioned for the organization and I'm very fortunate to have been able to lead the organization to a new level within that theme. So I really appreciate that you shared kind of how you came together and thought about being a student leader and that you maintain your connection to SNAFA in your advisory role, but then also, you know, with being involved with NPHA. And I think it's interesting for our listeners, you know, who may be considering serving on a committee or running for office that you do then have the opportunity to focus on a platform and, you know, your action acronym, I think 
really describe it's kind of interesting and you've probably reflected on this when you first put that together you probably had, i mean you couldn't have envisioned what 2020 nope. you know and <laughs> i mean but what's wild and i think again really shows the importance of leadership and taking risk and innovation is you know that you had that in place i think really set the stage for npha and your leadership to be able to address these issues because you were on the path you were working on it yes. and and pulling groups together so that i think is extra special. And I totally agree with you. And we've reinforced this a couple of times on the podcast, this idea of one plus one equals three and collective strength of groups coming together and also getting outside of pharmacy, like not just talking to ourselves because we very much know, and you know, I've done work in equity and education in my leadership at ACT. And then also in, in healthcare with my work with PTCB, on social determinants of health. And so they're broader than just the pharmacy space, but these social issues, you know, where people live, if they have access to food, if they have access to transportation, all makes a difference in their health. And so I love, and you know, it's funny too, I think sometimes when we invite others to the table, don't you think we come up with different solutions? We do. We do. We're, we're bringing a variety of perspectives to the table. And I, I really feel that diversity in thought, diversity in perspectives, it, it's beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. And I, I agree with you. You know, these issues, I highlighted some at the beginning of the podcast, they're of the moment, but they're not new. And, you know, I think we've had a spotlight, you know, shown on them, especially because the accumulation of incidents and activities and things like that. So, I think that's interesting and I'd love to dig just a little deeper, you know, about your leadership in 2020 and I know that you played a key role in June in bringing the pharmacy organizations together to create this really powerful joint statement about racial injustice. So tell me more about that. Absolutely. So we know that um, this past summer has been um, certainly unprecedented times on a variety of fronts, COVID-19 and also, as you mentioned, shining the light on racial injustices um, due to uh, consistent events happening, police misconduct and, and things of the like. So certainly we, we had a group that had collectively come together to bring forward ideas related to pharmacist involvement in the pandemic. And um, NPHA was invited to be a part of this group. However, you know, we were having conversations about COVID-19 and certainly, you know, me realizing that this is a public health crisis that we're in, pandemic. But also, personally, I was dealing with the turmoil that came with looking in looking on TV, watching the media and seeing individuals dying you know, that looked like me. Yes. And, you know, I, I can just recall one night not being able to sleep and just waking up in tears, just thinking about all that is going on. It just became it honestly traumatic to witness and, and see and deal with. And so because of those feelings, and because I knew that this was not only something that I was dealing with, um, but many people, especially many people of, of color, um, Black pharmacists, Black physicians and the like, were dealing with these feelings of, wow, you know, I, I just don't know how to handle 
what I'm going through and, and what we're experiencing in our country, um, what we have been experiencing, but this is really bringing things to a head. And during those conversations, we weren't necessarily talking about that during those pharmacy conversations. And so for me, I realized that I had to take a stand and be courageous and bold and bring this up as also a public health crisis. Uh, racial injustices is also a public health crisis in this country. And to my pleasant surprise, all of the members of the, the team, they too were quite on board. They were in agreement that this too needs to be addressed. And so this is the this was the first time and from, from my recollection that pharmacy groups have come together to create a joint statement specifically on social issues in our country. And we, like I said, this is nothing new, but this was really the, the right time. And um, I was fortunate to be in the right place at the right time um, to be able to bring this forward. You know, I was creating a, a statement on behalf of NPHA at the time, uh, but once again, that collective voice can go so much further. And so we, we brought that letter together and was able to receive the input from all of the other organizations involved and created a, a, a very nicely written um, joint statement that, you know, I'm, I'm just so amazed at the outcomes from that particular statement. When you see what other organizations or what all of the organizations are really doing and the action that they're taking, once again, that action and excellence, it, it just makes me smile. It, it definitely is, it, it's a manifestation of leadership. Yeah. I agree that it takes courage and boldness. It takes vision to be a leader. But what I've also seen is when you can create impact, that is sustainable impact and change. I believe that that is what a leader desires um, to not just have something one and done, but this be a true transformation of the profession. And I'm happy to say that um, we are seeing transformation happening in our profession. We are. And, you know, I want to take a moment and just acknowledge, and I think I shared these words when I reached out to you about having you on the podcast. You are the right leader at the right time for this very, very important issue. And that you knew that a broader scope was important and that involving more organizations and also that you were willing to have the tough conversations, bring up the tough things. I think you know, is really important and, and makes such a difference. And, you know, I want to acknowledge and just highlight for our listeners, and I've talked about this when I've lectured at nationally at meetings and at pharmacy schools, you know, coalitions or groups coming together. We're seeing more of that, you know, especially in the last several years where we've had provider status or we've worked on other topics. Clearly, we're seeing it around COVID-19 and the vaccine. But that wasn't always the case. And you and I know that, that sometimes, you know, the yeah. groups would try to talk together. And then it, like I've used the example with pharmacy technicians that groups did come together and that worked really well. But in the 60s and 70s and like early 80s, it was a topic that was just too fraught with some complications or different political views or different thoughts on it right. and stuff. So right. I want to just highlight again, not only did you bring up a transformational topic, 
you know, racial injustice, having pharmacy weigh in on a, a social issue, but very much impacts healthcare and health disparities. But you also were able to do it in a quick, quick amount of time. And that's what Becky talked to me about and Lucinda and I, <laughs> that, and you and I both know, sometimes it's like, okay, you're, we're on board, but we have to go back to legal. We have to go back to our boards. It's going to take blah, blah, right. blah. But that didn't happen. And I have to say that as a practitioner, you know, someone in the healthcare space and when I saw on Twitter how quickly the statement came out and all of you signed on board, it was just such a, a relief. And it was also like, okay, people are serious. Like this is important. Yes. And, you know, to see that that NPHA came forward and then, you know, and you've touched on this and I want to, you know, dig a little deeper is that you start sawing action. Like there were task forces that were put together and those task force were meeting, you know, there were surveys. I nominated someone for one of the task forces, an outstanding student pharmacist. She wasn't selected, but I was pleased to learn that a thousand people, their names came forward. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, just to hear the interest and sometimes when there's a big event or something happens, there's a statement issued and then like a, or even a report, and then it goes on the shelf. And what I think we're not doing, which is really good because of the complexity of this issue is we're not operating that way. I just, you know, last week uh, you were a part of this too, that the ASHP mid-year virtual meeting, there was a task force, they had a report out and like there was engagement and that's going to continue. And why don't you talk to me a little bit more? There was a, a, a big article that came out talking about systemic racism and you were a, a co-author and Nancy Alvarez and others, you know, big leaders in pharmacy. Tell me more about how that came about. Yes. So the systemic racism article, we are quite proud of this particular publication because, as you mentioned, certainly some pillars in, in the, the field of, of pharmacy, but also advocates for racial justice. Um, so you mentioned Nancy Alvarez, but I, I have to certainly give a, a shout out to Babudi Araya. Yes. Uh, she is the, the lead author and she has been doing this work for years. She's a dear friend of mine and you know we are, we're, we're committed to seeing this to the end um, and being on this journey together, uh, you know, lifting each other when we may feel a little weak. But in addition to that, you know, others that Lucinda Main, you know, we have Alex Barkey and, and Natasha Jackson. So in and, and Sandra Leal. So all of those individuals are leaders in their own right uh, within the field of pharmacy, but they are true advocates and they, they want it to be a part of this pivotal paper that highlights the role and responsibility of pharmacists. Um, so we wanted to provide some direction and clear direction on what pharmacists can do to address systemic racism. I think, you know, it's important to highlight, yes, there, there are task force forces that are, are being developed and that are really, you know, doing the, the work. And, and it's nothing that's going to happen overnight, but they are being, they're doing their due diligence to make sure that they're doing it right and um, they're continuing on the, the path forward. But we wanted to be able to also share not only what can organizations do, but what can individual pharmacists do? Because I, I hear that question quite often. Well, you know, what can I do now? What, what type of short-term change can I make? And we included those tips and, and, and guidance within that, that particular article. And we were very pleased that it was um, accepted into three 
different journals, um, pharmacy journals. And, and to our knowledge, this is the first time that that has ever been done. Yeah, we I think it is. To you all three. Um, so that is just a, you know, a pivotal monumental moment within the profession. Um, once again, as you mentioned that we're taking this serious. This is not just a, a statement. Um, this is not just a moment in time, but this is a, a movement and we're actually moving this needle forward um, towards racial justice. That is so great. And I will make sure that we link to both the statement, the June statement that the you know multiple organizations came together on the 13 or 14 that came together. And then also a link to the paper. And I did note that I want to say that I saw how significant it was, you know, at one point with PTCB, we were able to get published in both APHA and ASHP's journals. And so that was two, but I've, like you said, I've never seen three before. And I think that provides a greater audience, greater reach. Um, yes. And your co-authors, I know many of them, I look forward to getting to know the lead author a little bit better. I, I'm familiar with her work for sure. And also very much admire I think as you described, there were a lot of people that were doing work in cultural competency, health equity behind the scenes. You know, this is this is their passion. They were working with underserved populations. But I think it took the difficult year that we've had as a country, like with on so many fronts, and then those significant events that kind of culminated this summer, but there were events happening way before that, you know, that came up to that, for people to really see in a different way. And I'm so pleased when you talked about that there's both, you know, organizational activities and individual actions. And I think there's so much, and I talked a little bit about this earlier this summer with Lynette Bradley Baker, that there's steps that we all can take as individuals, you know, learning, growing, listening a lot, but then it's taken action. And so what are those action steps within your own sphere of influence? And, you know, I've thought about ways that I can lift others up or, programming on the podcast or, you know, I'm, I'm involved with the Zeta Cooper Leadership Symposium, you know, what can that look like moving forward? How do we highlight and focus on some of these issues? So I do think it's really important to not just think it's organizational or system, like a systems approach. And I think another piece that you've talked about, some of these are hard realizations, you know, for people to hear like, oh, that's what your experience has been or like, microaggressions or terminology or bias, but I think we can't grow and heal if we don't shine the light. Absolutely. And I think that's the important piece that you just stated. We can't grow and heal. And unfortunately, oftentimes we don't want to be uncomfortable, but getting uncomfortable is usually when growth is happening. Getting comfortable in the discomfort yes. is important. Uh, when you're uncomfortable, that usually means that you're stretching or stepping outside of your comfort zone. And, you know, I just recently launched um, a consulting business and, it, you know, the, the focus is disrupting the status quo. And I think that's what we're, we're really wanting to do. We want to, to step outside of our comfort zone be willing to disrupt the status quo, what we've always done, disrupt this cultural norm within our country, take action and change. But note that the change will not happen overnight because the damage didn't happen overnight. But realize that the road to racial justice is a journey. And as long as you're moving forward, um, and sometimes you may 
come to, you know, some hurdles in the road or may take a few steps back, but get back on track and continue forward. You talk about the importance of individual versus organizational. I think it's a both and, yes. but, but however, when you transform hearts and minds of individuals in an organization, the organization will transform as well because the organization is made up of individuals. Other people, yes. Yep, absolutely. So that's what we have to focus on is what can I personally do? What can I personally learn? How can I uncover some unconscious biases that I have from messages that I received dating back from childhood, uh, messages that I continue to receive from family and friends or from the media, and that continues to be reinforced. And while consciously I want to treat everyone in a fair, fair manner, or I want to treat individuals and my patients to the best of my ability because I, I took an oath, but unconsciously, I'm not because of those biases that we all have. And therefore, it, it has to take a true self-reflection, uh, reflecting and thinking through what is it? How do I respond when I'm around certain individuals that don't think like me, that don't look like me? And how can I change that? We, we have to first raise awareness and then think through how can that, how can I change my, my action? So very important thing to uh, see. So we, we explore and then we do, we want to execute and then we want to be. And that is the, the embodying of that change or transformation. Oh, I love that. That's very very, very interesting. And I also appreciate that you acknowledge that it's not a linear path or like, you know, going straight up the mountain that, uh -huh. um, you know, we'll move forward and we might stumble, but then we get back up and we keep going. That's a really important piece of it. Well, as our time together draws to a close, I typically on all the podcasts ask my guests, while I have you, is there one prescription or life lesson you'd like to share with others or comment on in the spirit of Melissa Rx scripts? Well, you know, honestly, I just said it. I think it's important on our journey of, of life that first off, we be lifelong learners. I really reference cultural humility versus cultural competency often because cultural humility says that I bring knowledge to the table as a pharmacist, but my patient knows a lot more about themselves than I will ever know about them. And so um, coming to the table to actually learn from them while providing or imparting knowledge as well. And so that prescription, and I think this is in, in all that we, we do, it is the C, do, and be. So I mentioned the C, you know, exploring and learning. So constantly learning, finding ways to improve ourselves, gain more knowledge and understanding. But once we come into knowledge, actually executing what we've learned, doing it, and then at the more that we do it, it becomes a habit and actually who we are. And that's the B part. So C, then do, then be. Well, I think C, do, and be is such an awesome thing for us to think about as we are closing out 2020, preparing for 2021, you know, that's kind of keep us going. So 
Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I am so happy and so grateful that you and I were able to spend time together and that I think this is the first of many conversations we're going to have because like, you know, you and I said at the start, pharmacy is a small world, but I, I very much believe in what you're doing and really hope that my work can be very aligned with what you're talking about and that I can be one of the people as an individual helping collectively to change the profession, change healthcare and change our world. So I want to say thank you for sharing your insights with me that we're on the Melissa Rx Scripts podcast and to everyone listening, thank you. And if you could please subscribe to my to our show and review it. And I want to give a special shout out to my podcast producer, Kate Cruz with Executive Podcast Solutions. And thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Melissa. This has been an awesome time with you. And I just certainly want to acknowledge the work that you're doing. It's amazing. Amplifying the voices of women in pharmacists is such a, a, a wonderful um, initiative. And I really appreciate this time together.